am Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. And the Oscar for Best Wife goes to Rachel McElroy. Oh, oh wait, Griff. hold on. Let me look at the... I'm oh. looking at the... Oh, no. Look, here's a full list of nominees. Oh, no. And the nominees for Best Wife go to are nominated as follows. <laughs> Rachel McElroy. It cuts to me. I'm smiling, but not clapping. Not clapping. Mary Steenburgen. Mm. Got to. Michelle Obama. Mm. That's it. There's only three nominees. Interesting. Usually there's five, but I guess I couldn't think of a lot more. Just you think Kristen Bell would have made that list? She's doing good. She's doing good, but she won last mm-hmm. year, so they're not going to do it no. again. Right. Mm-hmm. And the winner is Rachel McElroy. What's your speech? Uh, first of all, thank you to the Academy for this nomination. Um, I want to say I couldn't have done it without being a wife. First, uh, second. Uh, That's my wife. <laughs> Oh, wait, hold on. My wife. Yeah. Sorry, babe. Go ahead. It's, uh, that's my husband, um, Griffin McElroy. Griffin, thanks for uh, making me a wife and for making me a wife every day. Whose wife? Say it like Borat. Y- your wife. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, thank you to my agent. Uh, thank you to uh, the producers, uh, which would be my parents, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, peace in the Middle East. Oh shit! Mary Steenburgen's <laughs> rushing the stage. <laughs> she could take me down. I she think. could probably knock you right over. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. It's a show where we talk about things that are good. My small wonder is that Parasite won for Best Picture. That was fucking radical. I know. So huge. What a like momentous thing. And also like uh, unexpected. It's the movie that I loved by far the best last year. So I am over the moon uh, that it won. I want to watch it again, but I'm also pretty scared to watch it again. That's kind of where I'm at emotionally. Wait, why? Just because it's a scary movie? It's not. Uh, scary isn't even the right word for it. It's just like it blew me so far away when we saw it in mm-hmm. theaters that I almost want to like treasure that experience of seeing it and i I, and i don't know how like watching it knowing how it unfolds is gonna like treat me good point um it's weird like it's one of those movies that i walked out of and i was like i got as soon as that comes out i'm gonna buy it on dvd and then i was like wait a minute (laughs) i don't have to do that i did the same thing with spider-verse when we got a spider-verse i was like i can't wait to buy that on dvd and i was like well that's not how it is anymore so i bought it on (laughs) digital on apple tv like when it first came out and that's not the same yeah but we have watched it like at least a dozen we have gotten our mileage out of Mm spider-verse oh my god hey do you have any small wonders um i wanted to say i don't think we've talked about it uh, we finished uh, Cheer on Netflix. We did, yeah. And um, I think Griffin and I mainly watched it because it's been recommended to us so many times. Neither of us is particularly interested in cheerleading, just because no. neither of us has a particular familiarity with it. Uh, great, great show. It's uh, it's really remarkable. There's so much content out there now about the uh, the people in it and the whole sport of cheerleading, and I'm just gobbling it up, man. Yeah. Did you see Jerry on the red carpet? I did. I am so proud out there crushing it. I just loved how many people, like Laura Dern, for example, so excited to see Jerry. Yes. It was great. Uh, Oh, my God, that whole Laura Dern clip that you sent me of the (laughs) Gay Men's Choir of Los Angeles 
singing about things that <laughs> happen in movies. Sorry we missed that. Things that happen in movies in 2019 that were gay that a lot of people didn't realize were. And then they just had like a whole stanza about <laughs> Laura Dern and her face as she kind of just like realized what was happening was fucking incredible. <laughs> go watch that video if you didn't see it. Hey, I go first this week. Okay. My first thing. I was trying to figure out, okay, a lot of the times I can draw a direct line between like the catalyst and me talking about something on the show. Like what what happened? What was I watching? What was I looking at that made me want to talk about this thing on the show? And I couldn't piece it together until just now us talking about the Oscars is maybe why I want to go this way. I'm going to talk about an actor. I don't think I've ever done that before. Talked no, about an actor. Oh, no. We don't usually talk about people. I'm going to talk about an actor. Well, you talk about like poets and stuff like well, that all yeah. the time. We talk about artists of musical artists, but never like actors. Yes. I'm going to talk about an actor whose name is J.K. Simmons. Oh, that's a good pick. That's such a good pick, right? Like, I just been... I've just been thinking about J.K. lately. Uh-huh. I've just been thinking about J.K. lately. I think that, um, you know, you get the farmer's insurance commercials served up to you a lot. You get those M&M's commercials where he did originate the yellow peanut M&M voice. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, he does a lot of voice work. Uh, but also, I just, for like whatever reason, and maybe it's because I watch a lot of like music stuff, like music theory stuff on YouTube, I get served a lot of clips from Whiplash. Oh. <laughs> um, and if you don't know who J.K. Simmons is, he plays the the mean band leader in Whiplash. He plays the yellow Eminem. I don't think he actually does that anymore. Uh, I would say probably his most sort of like uh, worldwide role that people knew him for was J. Jonah Jameson in the uh, Spider-Man films, uh, a role that he really just made a fucking meal out of uh, <laughs> and is so, so good in. Um, and so, like, those are the things I think of when I think of J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. And he's fantastic in all of those. Whiplash, like, holy shit. He won the Oscar for Whiplash, yeah. as he should have, because he is... Uh, uh, terrifying and yes. incredible in that role as so few like uh, movie villains ever have been. He's got like, he's got a great face for intensity, but he's also got great intensity for intensity. Yes. He can also go soft on it. I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. Mm, okay. uh, here's what I didn't really. Okay. I, so I think about those things, right? Whiplash, M&Ms, whatever. Uh, today, I just like Googled his body of work and it is fucking incredible how much just the raw tonnage of shit this dude has been in i'm just gonna do a quick rundown and this is like cream of the crop there is a humongous list of films and tv shows this dude's been a part of let me just run it down okay first wives club cider house rules spider-man's hidalgo thank you for smoking juno burn after reading i love you man up in the air true grit where he was uncredited for some reason whiplash jobs terminator genesis april in the extraordinary world kung fu panda 3 zootopia la la land i'm not here justice league klaus he was on law and order for like a hundred years oz (laughs) uh, law and order svu the closer the legend of Korra, a bunch of spider-man tv shows and video games bojack horseman veronica mars like That's a lot of shit. I forgot about Juno. Juno was the one I kind of had in my head, but I couldn't remember what I was picturing. Juno I like a lot because Juno, he is not playing J. Jonah Jameson Mm -hmm. as he does in a lot of his other roles. He's got a real dad energy in that that just is so believable. Big dad energy uh, in, in that film. Uh, and he's not playing the angry man. Like you could say that even Whiplash has a little bit of J. Jonah Jameson up in it. Uh, but you know, you just you wanna you wanna do good. You so wanna I'm do not good as familiar that. with J. Jonah Jameson 
So is this across multiple Spider-Mans that he has played this character? Yes. I don't want to do any spoilies uh, about which Spider-Mans he does and does not show up in. Okay. But he is the... Uh, but like more than just one Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. He was in all of the Tobey Maguire ones. Uh, he owns... Well, no, that's what I mean. Like with other actors, yes. though? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. But he uh, he wants pictures of Spider-Man. He works for the paper. Also, he hates him. He's a menace. Uh, <laughs> and I just like... I just like, I don't know, man. He's so, he's so good in everything that I see him in. I cannot think of too many actors that like when I see that they are in a movie, I get excited for the performance they're about to do. Uh, And and maybe that's not like a great thing because I'm not so divorced from like him as an actor that I can really lose myself in the role that he's playing. But like whenever I see him in, uh, you know, the, the, new season of Veronica Mars. I'm like, fuck yeah, JK Simmons. Here we go. Take me on a ride, bud. Uh, and I just like, whenever I see him in a movie and TV show, another urge that I have uh, is that I don't want to disappoint him. And I don't know how to begin <laughs> unpacking that. I think it, thinking about casting whiplash, like, do you think before they'd even finished it, they were thinking him? Cause it seems like such a good fit. Man, I don't know which which role in Whiplash is harder to cast the like demon band leader or the like incredibly proficient young drummer. Well, I mean, J.K. Simmons couldn't be that. Sure, yeah, Miles <laughs> Miles Teller crushed that too. Uh, yeah, I just like it is it is weird to bring an actor to this show, and yeah. like I've thought about doing it with other other actors yeah, before, and other, and other you know people in the the cinematic arts, uh, and not, none of them really felt like like completely earnest or not like completely like obvious or whatever. But J.K. Simmons is just like, he's fucking great in Mm -hmm. everything. No, there's definitely some beloved actors that like people would probably put on their list, but I feel like J.K. Simmons is often overlooked. Yeah. And his name's funny. Yeah. J.K. J.K. He's like, J.K. Simmons, you know, (laughs) and J.K. Rowling tried to do that. And he's like, I now listen. (laughs) Is that your J.K. Simmons? Now that's my name. He got those wrinkles. He got those like cheek wrinkles that yeah. are just so fucking scary. And so intense and good. Damn. Hey, what's your first thing? God, now I want to Google young J.K. Simmons. Ooh, I'll work on that. Okay. You find anything? Yeah, I mean, it's not. <sighs> <laughs> Is it not a transformation? I'm I'm looking at a picture of him wearing a very loud suit. That seems Photoshopped, doesn't it? It's J.K. Simmons, and he's walking in a fashion show, and he's got, like, this incredible floral suit on. It's fucking amazing. Okay, sorry. (laughs) What's your first thing? My first thing is bobbleheads. Really? Yeah. Really now? I like these guys. Okay. It's just stay still heads. Sometimes I want the heads to stay still. (laughs) You know? Do you not like a a wiggling toy? Um, What about, like like, a dashboard wiggle toy? Oh, those are so cool. (laughs) Like a little little, surfer? Yeah, like a little, uh, you know, like Santa Claus, but he's like on vacation and he's on a surfboard. Yeah. And uh, he's like just like completely nude. (laughs) Um, I have been kind of surrounded by bobbleheads throughout my life. And it wasn't something I really thought about until recently. My dad, as I've mentioned, is a collector of sports memorabilia and any other numbers of memorabilia. 
and uh, he's a, a memorable guy. I, <laughs> and a lot of that memorabilia is uh, in the shape of bobbleheads. Yes. Uh, and then my grandmother, uh, for a long time, collected little porcelain figures that had that kind of bobble <sighs> element. <sighs> like, Just oversized heads, or they actually bobbled? No, it was like a little, like the little hand or the little foot would kind of wiggle a little okay, bit. So okay. it was less about like a big cartoonish head and more about like a piece of the figure would I know what you're talking wiggle. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very creepy because when it's among a bunch of non-ambulatory porcelain figures <laughs> and then you see one and their fucking hand starts moving. Are you kidding me? Um, she would always call them nodders, which is actually like another word for bobblehead. Oh, interesting. Basically. Um, its head is connected to the body by a spring or a hook so light that a tap will cause it to bobble. During the 17th century, figurines of Buddha and other religious figures were called temple nodders and produced in Asia. Oh, interesting. And then in the 19th century, that's where you saw the bisque porcelain bobbleheads being made for the U.S. So that's the kind of the stuff that she would collect. What is bisque? Bisque? It's like a super hard kind of porcelain, if I remember correctly. Oh, I, th- I just thought it was like a soup. In 1960 was when you started to see the collectible era. So in 1960, Major League Baseball produced paper mache bobbleheads for all the teams. Uh, the World Series brought the first player-specific bobbleheads for Roberto Clemente, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and Willie Mays. How much money do you think those are worth these days? I mean, paper mache, right? Like the idea of those holding up is insane. Maybe, yeah. The thing about those was that they were not at all personalized. Like the faces, the heads looked exactly the same. They just put different (laughs) colors. So they would put like the colors of the team on the little jersey. But it was just baseball. Same face. Yeah. That's rough. Um, the other kind of famous bobblehead set from the era is the Beatles one, which I'm pretty sure my dad has. I believe that. Uh, super, super collectible these days. Um, you saw a return to this in the 1990s. And part of that was because all of a sudden they were in plastic, which like, I don't know why it took them so long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first Major League Baseball team to offer a bobblehead giveaway at the stadium was the San Francisco Giants in 1999. So this is like a thing now. Yeah, with like sporting events. I know it's a thing, but like I I assume that it's been happening my entire life. Mm -hmm. They distributed 35,000 Willie Mays nodders at their 1999 game. Cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then 2002, mini bobblehead. So this is two or three inches tall in a cereal box. Do we have any bobbleheads in our house actively bobbling right now? No, here's the thing. I'm not requesting an entire wall of bobbleheads. Right. I just am kind of delighted by them. They are the moving toy. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, you know, the customizable ones. I feel like The Office with Dwight Schrute. Like that was the first time like the idea kind of struck anyone. And now you can just get online and make one for yourself. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, our P.O. box is about to be just just (laughs) spoiled with... (laughs) With Rachel heads. I know. That's why I wanted to make clear. I'm not looking for a wall of these. I just find them wonderful. I think they're delightful. Right. Uh, I'm just saying you got to be careful because one time I talked about plastic crawdads and said something about ruining my box with crawdads. Yeah. And then yeah, for you asked for that though. That was pretty years, explicitly asking for yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. You, the phrase was ruin my box. <laughs> that's true. I don't think I ever got an update on that, but um, they my P.O. box was ruined with plastic crawdads. Mm-hmm. Uh. Here's something that might be exciting uh, to people in the Midwest. 
In 2016, the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame opened in Milwaukee. Hey. The collection is about 10,000 bobbleheads with around 6,500 on display and 4,000 square feet. Uh, Where are the other ones that aren't on display? I imagine they cycle them in and out. Oh, okay. Like they said, for example, there's going to be like a Democratic National Convention there in 2020 this year. And... uh, they, uh, the Bobblehead Hall of Fame is going to do a political bobblehead exhibit that aligns oh, with that. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go good. <laughs> um, January 7th is National Bobblehead Day. Thank you, baby. <laughs> In 2016, the Guinness Book of World Records marked the world's largest bobblehead at 15 feet tall. That's really dangerous. It was a St. Bernard named Goldie. It was like the mascot for some insurance company. And so they... Um, they made a 15-foot-tall bobblehead? Yeah, St. Bernard, too. Like, it was a big dog. <laughs> well, I mean, it could have been any breed of dog and still be 15 feet tall. True. But, like, there's something about the size of a St. Bernard head that yes. makes it a little, like, a little scarier, I think, to me. If you could have a bobblehead of any anyone, right? Like, it, it doesn't have to be... Scott Bakula. Yeah. Can I steal you away? <laughs> It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be... The same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, can I tell you about our Jumbotrons this week? Please. Got one here for Johnny Bear, and it's from SammyBot, who says, Dear Johnny Bear, ever since you watched Paddington and sent me detailed notes afterwards, I knew you were the one. I love our big Brady Bunch family of pets, and I love you even more. I'm so glad we're doing this thing called life together. Love, SammyBot. Oh, Paddington has brought so many people together, if you think about it, you know? Brought that whole family together together in a way that um you know human love never could um but also i feel like it's really just served as sort of the sticky orange marmalade filling in the cracks of america that's beautiful griffin thank you um paddington is a big big thing over here in america Oh, yeah? <laughs> Did you grow up just with a lot of time with the bear? No, I just, you know, there's those reboots that really, um, really made it big. And then Rachel and I recently tried to rewatch Stuart Little, and Ooh. it's a fucking rough ride, y'all. It is. A lot of Nathan Lane as a cat just going like, nah, I've uh, got a hairball. It stinks like a poopy. Cass, Cass is incredible, right? Though it's they Hugh Laurie, Gina Davis, Gina Davis, yeah, the little kid from Jerry Maguire, Michael J. Fox. It's just like that. It falls in that era of CGI that is just unlookable. Hey, <laughs> why are we reviewing Stuart Little in the middle of our podcast? Is there another jumbotron? Okay, this next message is for Nicolette and Preston. It is from Kelsey. Nikki and Preston, congrats on your upcoming wedding. After you guys met day one of college, when Nikki so smoothly complimented Preston on his Naruto jacket, Mm. we knew you were meant for each other. I am so happy for you and wish you all the best. P.S. We need to start playing more D&D, even though we live in different states. Love you always, Kelsey. Can you give me a little primer in Naruto? Because I don't really know. Sure, sure, sure. So he is a ninja boy with a headband that has a little swirly thing on it. Okay. When he runs, Mm -hmm. his arms go behind him. Okay. (laughs) Thus ends (laughs) all of my... There's a thing now, there's a show out called Borudo. 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 And I guess maybe it's his son or his brother or his dad. It could be a prequel. I like it. I do like that. That's fun to say. And yeah, that's it. Okay, well, I feel caught up now. Good, good. Yeah, we plumbed the depths. Hey, everyone. Alden Ford here with the cast of Mission to Zix. Our fourth season premieres on February 19th, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, we decided to ask one of our characters to give you a quick recap of what's happened so far. Say hello to the clone trooper, AJ. Who are you people? What's happening? Okay, AJ, put your gun down. Uh, AJ, can you just tell us what's happened in the Zix Quadrant in the last couple seasons? Oh, well, we destroyed the Emperor. Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. We knocked him into a chasm. Mr. Robot Man and Barchi's ship crashed through a window, and Dar and Baby Horsehead and I took out, like, a bunch of bad guys. Papa filled his destiny, and the lizard was there, too. Okay, great. I guess I was sort of asking what the show is like. Oh, you mean, like, it's an improvised, serialized workplace space opera featuring brilliant sound design, incredible guest stars, and an epic, hilarious tale of fresh versus whack? 
Oh, yeah, wow. Where did you come up with that? Jesse Thorne told me to write that on my palm. Okay, all right. Well, Mission to Zix Season 4 debuts on February 19th on Maximum Fun. Check it out. Can I hear your next thing? My second thing is French toast. French toast. I know you're saying, hey, this is the second breakfast bread type food that you've brought, Griffin, because you brought waffles in like episode 56 or something like that. And I'll say, that's a fair criticism. <laughs> but uh, we made French, I made French toast this past weekend. Yeah, give yourself credit. I made French toast this past weekend. And it's like, here's the thing about French toast. I cannot think of a a food, like a prep work to eating experience ratio that yeah. pays out better than French toast. That's so true. I uh, tend to be a savory breakfast enthusiast. Yes. But if I am going to have a sweet thing, I want it to be French toast. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is for whatever reason, I'm not sure when this switch flip, but when I'm out at a restaurant and they have like a bunch of like sweet yeah. breakfast things, French toast is the only thing on there that I think like, hey, I could eat that and not feel like complete dog shit. And it's I'm wrong because I want I eat it and then I immediately want to sleep for the next twenty four hours. Griffin made it with this like cinnamon raisin brown sugar swirl bread and it was so delicious. Yeah, I, I got that Pepperidge Farm shit. I ate it for a dessert later that day. Yeah, it was really good. And it's just like there's a lot of ways to do it, but me just beat some eggs, put a little bit of milk in there, a little bit of cinnamon in there. And then vanilla, you put vanilla in there. Sometimes, if I'm feeling a little zesty, I didn't last time because I figured there was plenty of yeah, sort of sweetness sweet <laughs> in there already. Uh, dip some dip some bread in, toss it in a grease skillet, flip it, and then that's it. You can put syrup on it. You can put jellies or jams. You can put powdered sugar on it. I remember like the first time I made French toast, just being shocked by how easy it was. Just like, oh, this is all it is. It was. I can say almost certainly the first thing I learned how to like quote unquote cook right. And Before I know scrambled eggs. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Well, because you really can't fuck up French toast. The only way you fuck up French toast is by like not cooking it long enough or overcooking it. But that's true of all foods. And we're not getting it gooey enough. The margin of error for French toast, I would argue, is pretty fucking wide. Like it's pretty easy to cook French toast. Uh, and also, I think it's the only thing I've ever cooked that Henry ate and enjoyed. So that's very exciting. It was definitely the first thing I cooked for you when we first started dating. Uh, and we would have little uh, <laughs> sleepovers. <laughs> the next morning. This shows how innocent Griffin is. That the concept of this like still like strikes him as risque. Like, did you know sometime couples before they're married uh, have what they call sleepovers? Uh, rendezvous, uh, an overnight excursion. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning I would make uh, peanut butter and banana French toast oh, and then we yeah. would just sort of lay motionless. Yeah, that's true. For 10 hours as it slowly worked its way through yeah, our bodies. I, you know, I, I had an instinct of saying we should do that again, but then we just couldn't. We can't. Our we lifestyle. Can't. We, our lifestyle is different now. Yeah. The only way we could do it is we got to guarantee that Henry would do it, and then the three of us could then lay motionless for <laughs> 10 hours. It's just got like, it's got a texture that I'm just gaga for. Like that bread, egg texture for me is like, is just like perfection. 
Uh, and it's just like, you know what else is sort of miraculous about it? If you have a kitchen that is even remotely like decently stocked at any given point, you've probably got what you need to make French toast. And that's not true of like a lot of other shit. Like, yeah. And, and maybe it's just because there are, you know, three ingredients in it. Uh, and there's like, you know, you don't have to worry about baking soda. You don't have to worry about all that shit. You don't have to have like a waffle iron. No, you need a pan. You need bread. You need egg. You could probably just get away with just that. No. no I mean, you need You need more that st- milk. You, well, okay. I think the milk is even optional. We can talk mm. about that. We can debate that later. Uh, there's just, you've always got a road to French toast. And I think that's really special. Uh, unsurprisingly, like every culture has had a version of French toast because it's like, it's pretty obvious. At some point, everybody was like, hey, bread and egg and cook. Hey, that's good. So it wasn't like, like, why do we call it French toast? So that's wild. As far as I can tell, we call it French toast because like in the 18th century, there were recipes being published that referred to it as French toast. And like, it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, But like, we're the only ones who call it. There's a couple other like countries that call it French toast. What do they call it in other places? Well, in France, they call it pan perdu which means lost bread, which is referring to the fact that uh, that it's made with stale bread, like for the recipe a lot of the time, because like, who gives a shit? You're going to toss it in an egg and then fry it up anyway. Uh, the most entertaining name for me uh, is the, a 14th century German recipe, which called it uh, Arma Ritter, uh, which translates to poor nights. And there's a lot of places that still call French toast poor nights or specifically poor nights of Windsor which is more or less like the exact same thing. A lot of people just call it eggy bread too, and that's powerful as well. Uh, but no matter what it's called, rose by any other name, it's still going to taste real good in the mornings and be a great little vehicle for a syrup experience. What is your second topic? You're going to be mad that I picked this because I'm stealing it right out from under you. Oh, shit. It's Chef Club. <laughs> <laughs> I am so fucking angry that you're taking Chef Club. Babe, Chef Club. It's the core of my being. Griffin introduced me to Chef Club, so it seems a little unfair that I would steal it from him. I mean, you're leaving a lot of other meat on the table. You're leaving me five-minute crafts. Yes. You're leaving me a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of other... Um, a lot a lot more road to hell, and I, I guess I appreciate that, but God, Chef Club is so special. Chef Club is something that we came to by way of Facebook, right? I mean, it's where all garbage videos come to Mm -hmm. us from. If you go to Chef Club on Facebook... I believe it's Chef Club Network is where you will find it. There's a lot of Chef Club uh, in the Chef Club The immediate video you will be encountered with (laughs) that never fails to make me laugh is is a full turkey. Yeah. And a pair of hands... Yes. Getting ready to shove an entire block of what looks kind of like Velveeta into the turkey. Not like the kind of Velveeta you'd buy at the store, though. Like a novelty, comically <laughs> large brick of Velveeta that you might buy at like a Spencer's Gifts as a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. We're not the only ones watching Chef Club. Okay. Uh, this is an article from November 2019. The company now has 75 million followers Mother across God. multiple social media platforms. It generates a billion video views per month and reaches 200 million people. Jesus. 
there are 50 people working for Chef Club. The entire team is based in Paris. Right. I figured that that was the case. With one third of them who are not French. Okay. Um, they optimize content for Facebook. Uh, and it's become increasingly harder to work around Facebook's algorithm to reach a large audience. But the startup has been through ups and downs. The relentless efforts have been key to the company's growth as many media brands simply gave up on Facebook. Yeah, and it seems like in order to hang in there, <laughs> you really do have to stuff fuck a turkey with cheese bricks. <laughs> they Their approach to cooking mm. um, is such that nothing can be wrapped in too many things. Right. If you were to take a protein, mm-hmm. you would think, all right, well, I have a protein. Let's move on to something else. But no, they would wrap it in another protein right, and then put it inside a third protein that would then be put on top of a fourth protein. Right. And there's a great deal of shaping and molding <laughs> and morphing that is done. Um, there has been more than one video in which a rubber glove has been used <laughs> as a sort of uh, uh, mold. We uh, saw one filled with meat. We saw one filled with chocolate. So they're, they're multidisciplinarians, mm-hmm. and that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's And we should mention, too, that at the end, mm-hmm. as in most cooking videos, there is a demonstration of the final product. With Chef Club, it almost exclusively has some kind of fluid being secreted from the middle of it. Yeah, at which point, Rachel and I always say, there's that goosh. <laughs> they, they really focus in on the payoff of the goosh. Yeah, they love the goosh. Mm-hmm. None of the foods, well, okay, there have been a handful, and I'm ashamed to say it, but like there have been a handful of these videos where I'm like, I would fuck with that. But then there's a lot of them where it's just like, that's not traditionally edible. They made a sort of, how would you describe it? A sausage sandcastle, maybe? Uh, that <laughs> yeah, had we a, watched that one. Uh, different quadrants, and there were beer cheese quadrants. Yes. Where See, they're would, big on dippers. They're big on, like, app dippers. spreads. Right, and so in two of the quadrants, there was beer cheese. So you would take a sausage out of the sausage sandcastle and dip it in the beer cheese, yeah. and then take a eat it, I guess, with the only mouth you get on Earth. <laughs> but then in the other quadrants, there was just straight-up spetzel. And it's like... You can't dip anything in spetzel. It's a fucking noodle. Like, it doesn't stick. We watched this kind of inexplicable video of a bunch of, like, a sausage wall being constructed. Right. And Griffin was more concerned about the structural integrity of dipping the sausage into the spetzel. It's just, they, they, in addition to protein uh, layers, they also do a lot of unconventional containers, right? And then, like, but just sometimes the container doesn't make... A whole lot of sense. I mean, we really can't dismantle Chef Club. It, no. It's just by nature, just a extraordinary experience. Rachel and I just have a category of videos that we like on Facebook. And I would say Chef Club is the hot commodity right now. But like videos of just things that don't, they can't. <laughs> you can't make a hand you can't make a hand loaf a meaty hand loaf chef club apparently not only is on facebook they're on youtube they're on snapchat oh shit instagram and tiktok okay well if there's any uh, i i feel like we've watched every chef club video and now it's like i i get so stoked when i see there's a new one uh 
but I didn't know about the TikToks. And I, maybe this is the thing that gets me on TikTok. <laughs> the company first started with a recipe book, and you could scan QR codes in the book to play the video on your phone. Ah, oh, that's clever. Uh, and they also, we've seen this advertised a lot, they have introduced Kiddos, a cooking kit for kids. It's a book with 20 recipes and measuring cups. Now, this is cute, actually, because I think I just figured it out from the last videos. Like, the measuring cups have little animals on it. So, it's like you add a lion oh. of flour. That's cute. I kind of like cute. that. I kind of like It's that. always weird because you watch this really grotesque video yeah. uh, with, you know, ground beef inside bacon, inside of a turkey, inside of an elephant. And then they're like, kids measuring cups. And you're like, I don't want uh, my kids to have any part anywhere of this. near this thing. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to open up one of those measuring cups and just like a goosh of ch- molten cheese is going to pour <laughs> out of it for some reason. It's like a clamshell package inside. You see the measuring cups, you open it up, and then there's a river of magma chocolate. Why? Where? We had this idea that maybe we should host some kind of gathering where everybody has to make a chef club recipe. Right. The thing is, like, for the most part, these videos are actionable. Like, they are giving you ingredients. It's food. (laughs) (laughs) They're telling you, like, this is how much of this, you know, tomato sauce you'll need to put on these pork chops that you will then wrap right. in provolone cheese and then wrap in pasta and then put on a skewer. Right. <laughs> that skewer. By the way, this whole thing's going inside a poke cake. So <laughs> and you know we're going to mirror glaze it cuz that's why you watch the video in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chef Club Network. Can we go watch more Chef? Well, we have to finish the podcast. <laughs> Hey, uh, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Alyssa says, hi, guys. I really love using the word best to sign my emails. I just take so much joy in this simple word that is all at once positive, ambiguous, appropriate for all occasions and recipients and means absolutely nothing while serving such a necessary social function. I'm a big fan of best. Do you use best ever? I don't really send emails (laughs) that much. I feel like I was in college Maybe. And I first saw that and was like, that's a good one. Because like fondly or sincerely doesn't always feel very friendly. But best feels kind of conversational. I should say, I don't send the kind of emails these days that, you'd re- have like that a- <laughs> require like a signature at the end of it. Yeah. Which is to say, like very rarely am I emailing somebody who I don't already have some sort of mm-hmm. pre-existing kind of relationship with. Uh, yeah. So no, I don't think I've ever typed best. But I do like the efficiency of it. Connor says, I work as a Finnish carpenter, and something I find wonderful is when I am cutting baseboards and a leftover scrap piece is the exact size down to the 16th of an inch as the next piece I need to cut. It's only happened three times in my two years at my job, but it always makes my whole day. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, that. I mean, that sounds, that sounds great. I can tell you the number <laughs> of times that like I have tried to build something and then forgot to like cut one of the pieces down to make up for the other piece being longer or whatever. And then they don't fit by a a margin. And I have to take it back to the lows to get an adult to cut it to the right size for me. (laughs) But I cannot tell you what this perfect experience feels like because I'm just not a carpenter. But you're a lot of other things, Griffin. Sure. I like the band, the carpenters. Yeah. Can do that at karaoke. Mm -hmm. I'm a proficient plumber. Which is to say, I installed a bidet seat. (laughs) Hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, uh, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. 
And uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Maximum Fun has some of the best shows that you will find out there in the podcast world. Uh, this week, I'm going to recommend Can I Pet Your Dog? Uh, yes. Oh, he's answering the question. But I don't have one. So what are you talking about? You know what's great about Can I Pet Your Dog? What? You don't have to have a dog to listen to it. No. Nobody's going to come to your house and turn it off. And you don't have to be a dog to listen to it either. True. But they do lay down an extremely high-pitched track (laughs) over the whole show that only dogs will hear, and it's full of great dog jokes. (laughs) What's an example of a dog joke? Well, I mean, you know, topical stuff. Like, um, (laughs) they got a whole bit about Mitt Romney. Uh, but they call him Mutt Rock. There it yeah, is. So that's super funny. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, too. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fantai, Maximum Fun, Podcast. Ow. 